What is that? What's up, Mile Higher homies? How's it doing? I mean, how's it? How's it doing? That's how we're starting. How's it doing today? How's it doing? What's up, everybody? Today's a little different, you guys. It's a Monday. And guess what? We have some exciting news. It's not that exciting, but I'm excited about it. I thought up in my little head that it makes sense to have the podcast go up on Mondays because then we can call it Mile Higher Monday. Makes sense. Yeah. We I don't have, know why you know, we didn't Talk that Tuesday. We have Woke Wednesday on Josh's channel. Yep. Pretty so. much True Crime Thursday on my channel. So we just wanted to keep up with the pattern. So now you can expect the podcast going up at 5 p.m. MST on, on Mile Monday. Higher Mondays. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, actually. I like yeah, that better. I am. I'm really. I can't believe we didn't think of it in like the beginning. No, it's I so know. Dumb. I know. <laughs> so I was like, Mile Higher Sunday just doesn't sound as fun as yeah, Mile Higher no. Monday. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely makes sense. So today we are back, you guys, and we are talking about. I know we are actually supposed to talk about one of the um, five families that control the world this week, but we actually wanted to switch it up a little bit because there was. You know, just so much interest in the royal family lately with the new royal wedding and everything. And it's something that I'm like super interested in. So like, let's take a little break and we'll talk about the Princess Diana conspiracy specifically, but the royal family. So it still technically counts as like one of the families that definitely influences the world like big time. They have a huge part. So if anything, you could include them in one of these families. So we thought it'd be a nice little switch up. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I, honestly, I mean, I I knew the general story of Princess Diana, but you know, I I I'm pretty new to all of the actual conspiracy theories and all of the behind the scenes um, shit that went down with with her death. So I'm pretty excited to jump into that today. I'm very excited. I mean, I'm I really don't know why I'm so interested in the royals, but something well, about them is so mysterious and weird and interesting. To it's me. because it's like. Here we are in like the modern age, and yet we still have this like king and yeah. queen ruling family from like yeah. hundreds of years ago. This monarchy that still exists mm-hmm. in, and in the world. I mean, tons of people over there that across the our friends across the pond that love the royal family stuff, and it's like their Kardashian family, and it's a big thing. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this in one of the podcasts or what, but yeah, I actually watched the entire royal wedding this year on accident. I woke up with like chronic pain at like 4 45 so it was kind of convenient i woke up and just like literally watched the whole thing found it very interesting actually i really enjoyed it it was really it was kind of cool i liked the dude who did the sermon oh yeah yeah yeah. he yeah. was cool yeah i thought it was just different but yeah so we decided but we're gonna to talk, talk about, about some more. of the dirt yeah we're talking about dirt today <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure and actually this is this isn't like a dude. praise the royal family episode oh, no, no, by no, any no. means no <laughs> get ready i'm just saying i'm interested in their life but uh i really like princess diana as a person she was a really good person and so this conspiracy like it means a lot to me after i've done so much research on it and it's one of the ones i just really believe um probably just as much as i believe in the jfk conspiracy if not more there's probably more evidence for this so yeah, and it's just it ends up being a conspiracy theory that after you hear everything, you're just like, this makes total sense. Yeah, basically, you're just like fucking duh. You're like, at the this end. <laughs> was a setup. Yeah, it really is. But before we get into that, I just quickly want to thank all of our patrons, especially our stellar patrons, Jocelyn B, Elizabeth B, Rebecca H, Brittany M, Selena M, and we have a few new ones this week actually, which is. Uh, Marie C, Jake C, Gavin P, and Raja B. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, mm-hmm. appreciate all the support. 
yes, across thank you guys. all platforms. You know, we appreciate all the uh, the YouTube comments, um, all you know, everybody that's subbed to the channels and all the reviews and ratings on iTunes. Guys are just killing it. We really appreciate it. it really helps us out. Yeah, motivates us to keep going. Yes, and <laughs> it it does. It makes it more fun to see your guys' feedback on stuff. Oh, yeah, what you like, sure. what you don't like, all that kind of stuff. So. Oh, I get so excited to, for comments to come in on the podcast. Like like sitting there refreshing for new ones. Me too. Like, yeah. I get so into seeing what you guys think of it. It's just really cool to see, like, especially with the podcast, is we're we're starting to reach like a bunch, a lot of new people that didn't even know us about us, yeah. our YouTube channels or anything. Like, yeah. they've never seen your YouTube videos, they've never seen right. my stuff, and they just happened upon the podcast. Like, I see comments like, "I just randomly found your podcast, and I'm binge watching or binge listening to binge all listening. the binge lists, <laughs> <laughs> binge lists all to all the episodes." And that is just so cool because yeah. that is what we're trying to do here at the Mile Higher Podcast is. You know, spread the word bring you uh bring you shit you you didn't know about and help you think openly and critically about a lot of things that yeah. you know you may have been told one thing and in actuality there's a whole nother side of things so <laughs> imagine that imagine that right um but yeah for real it's also been i think really cool just to have you guys get to know a more relaxed side of josh and i like a deeper side of us that i just can't like portray this much of my personality in my videos because it's so edited and like it's like you know i'm getting a getting a job done i'm telling a story but here yeah, i can kind of just totally. let you guys see who we really are and i think you guys have noticed you know well yeah i mean because literally guys we're just sitting here talking to each other <laughs> just like we would be sitting upstairs in the kitchen talking to each yeah, other you might as well like, like mic us up up there and we no i know just... seriously like <laughs> maybe we should do that for the podcast just like, like wear a, a mic around yeah do it like a, a like reality like while we're show doing or laundry <laughs> There's nothing that exciting going on here, though. <laughs> Seriously. All right. But this week's Patreon question comes from Maya Pai, and she asked, do you guys ever think about the possibility that the reason why the ancient Egyptians were such an advanced civilization was because of, of their possible use of psychedelics? A friend and I were discussing what if they figured out how to build the pyramids, how to align them, how to preserve bodies, etc., because they had some sort of natural aid like psychedelics or shrooms or peyote or something along those lines maybe even a plant that we don't know about that's uh, psychedelic but um causing some kind of mind expansion and perhaps the government made it illegal for us to do these types of drugs so that we could stay quote-unquote mind controlled by by the government but maybe psychedelics are the key to figuring out the secrets of the universe what do you guys think i think you're right on track girl yeah, that I mean, just about I think right you and your me. friend are, are figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I don't know for sure, like if the Egyptians were doing psychedelics, I don't know for sure if they yeah. were or not. But from, you know, everything that I've seen and learned I mean, no about them, stopping them from doing it. And they're everywhere. I mean, they probably had some peyote out there or something out yeah. in Egypt or, you know, and for some those sort of you of who have never heard of that. Yeah, it's a cactus. And there's a lot of psychedelics that aren't just shrooms or LSD. Like most people think of that. Um, there's a great show, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia on Viceland. I always say Viceland, like Iceland or something. <laughs> yeah. Viceland, yeah. TV channel. And um, it's very interesting. I mean, it comes from like frogs and cactuses and different well, plants. Well, that's the thing, and, yeah. yeah. A lot of it's so, just naturally, it's a, na a lot of the psychedelic chemicals are, are naturally occurring in nature. So right. you can find in animals, plants, um, which is clearly like kind of meant things. for us, you know, it's just like laid out in our garden. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, when you think about it, you're like, well, there's this there's these chemicals that react with our brains that cause us to be able to think you know mm -hmm. from an expanded perspective and mm -hmm. you know oftentimes reported with psychedelics they're you know you're able to almost you know see shapes and see you know see like things better things. colors better you know more vivid imagery 
breaking um, down objects into like geometry like you can see like people might say be able that to see they, angles and yeah, stuff different yeah. yeah you'll be able to see the lines and things and um so may, so it's it very a better possible. understanding of like sacred geometry because clearly they understand something what is it i think it's the perimeter of the pyramids divided by the height times two is pi 3.14 which how the fuck do don't they know hold that? me accountable for that <laughs> yeah, go yeah. check that but yeah, honestly say, i'm pretty sure i'm right like i'm pretty sure that is actually it uh, because I've run that through my head a million times. It's so interesting. I don't, I'm like, how did they know what pie was when the wheel wasn't even invented, dude? I mean, they had something that was opening their minds. That's yeah, and they knew say. how to line it up with the constellations. And, and you know, they knew where all of the, you know, they clearly had a very uh, deep understanding of the night sky. And, I mean, they knew, they knew quite a bit. And, I mean, there's a lot of theories about how they obtained this knowledge and i mean psychedelic could be one maybe it was ancient aliens maybe it was you know or maybe they were just smart as fuck and they figured it out or they got it from the sumerians or uh, some other civilization there's a lot of of different things with it but it is very interesting to think about mm -hmm. um you know maybe how psychedelics and influenced history even to some point like mm -hmm. there's another uh theory that I might cover on my channel or maybe eventually on the podcast called the stoned ape theory, oh, which yeah. is, That's is kind funny. of the, uh, yeah, it's kind you of a fun one. On so basically, you know, evolution was aided with the help of psychedelics or mushrooms because the monkeys ate the mushrooms and maybe it caused their little monkey brains to expand and mind. maybe that aided in their evolution. Uh, that's a very, <laughs> very, very basic <laughs> understanding of that. So don't, um, it's very interesting. The science to look people into. are going to come out and start lecturing us. Well, that's the thing is like, you look at, you know, uh, a lot of academics say we'll just like like no 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 that's all silly nonsense but i mean maybe not so. who really knows anyone who calls anything silly nonsense really nonsense needs to like reevaluate themselves we don't know anything no seriously but i mean i i totally agree with agree with uh you that the the government made these psychedelics oh, yeah. illegal they I don't mean, want us to have it when the war on drugs happened and all of that it was very very obvious that they did not want us to have these mind you know expanding drugs that mm allowed us to think a lot deeper about things and try to ask these you know fundamental questions about life rather than just accepting the answers that were given to us by yeah. them you know so mm -hmm. that's that's my that's my personal theory on well, that they could but, also use it for um like depression there's like right. cases of people using it to micro microdosing it like tiny amounts of it so you're not like having a trip but it can cure people's depression so that would i mean hurt the pharmaceutical industry again there's right. probably yeah. more and more there's, there's a ways lot of they could use different these things. Yeah. reasons it's not just the mind expanding parts the medical aspect to it mm -hmm. and the ability to cure mental illness right. even so obviously you know government's in cahoots with big pharma and everything else so yeah. you know there's there's reasons for them to not want these types of things to be legalized you know so mm -hmm. but with the way that you know the tide's kind of turning with you know the legal legalization of marijuana and you know, it looks like that mushrooms might end up uh, being on on the uh, the voting ballot this year in California for decriminalization of them, which would be huge mm -hmm. because a lot of these psychedelic substances are like schedule one drugs. They're they're put up there with heroin, with uh, methamphetamine, things like really, really harmful man made substances. So it's 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 just very obvious that these natural um, naturally occurring uh, psychedelics that are out there um, are under attack and and it's truly sad in, in my opinion but thank you for that question I, I i did enjoy that question um but before we talked about princess diana i just wanted to acknowledge um what happened this week 
Yes. And that was um, the death of Anthony uh, Bourdain, which if you don't know who Anthony Bourdain is, he's um, he's a chef. He's an author. He's he had an award winning show on CNN called Parts Unknown, where he traveled around the world. Um, a very, 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 very casual, laid back dude down to earth. Um, yeah, probably woke, honestly. And um, oh, I'm and, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, he's just. And he's done a lot of drugs too. Yeah, yeah. He had it. Well, he had like a major. He had like a heroin addiction pro- yeah. and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it's he, like really common in kitchens. He was a line cook for a while, and he, he talked a lot about that. But both, but Kendall and I are both fans of him and his show. And and unfortunately, this week, um, actually Friday morning, uh, they found him dead in his hotel room at the age of sixty-one, and he unfortunately committed suicide, uh, which is always just. It's just, it's almost more sad in the way that, you know, you feel, you just, you feel for him. You, you feel, feel for sad that he was hurting and that, that like bad, people, yeah, yeah. To the point that you want to take your own life. And um, just because I know we're going to get questions, I don't think most, a lot of the media was reporting this, but he did um, hang himself. I had so many questions coming to me about like, was he drugged by someone or was it a drug overdose or no, it wasn't. So like, we know it was suicide, um, but it is terribly heartbreaking honestly heart-wrenching like i have just been so beat up about this yeah i mean then and, and you know he he committed suicide this week kate spade earlier yeah. in the week did i mean i don't know too much about her I but either but it's just yeah i mean it's it shows you that that fame and fortune and you know the, you never know what someone's going through i mean we can say it a million times but like it's so true i've said out loud so many times to josh Anthony Bourdain has the best life. Right. He has the best job. He has the best life. I would do anything to have his life and his career. He's been to like over a hundred countries. Mm-hmm. He's he's has a, seen the world. This amazing show. Everything. Probably all the money and Tons fame that of he money. wants. And yeah, he was well paid. And, and it, it wasn't, dude. It sometimes that just like doesn't. It makes it worse even sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in, in the words of Jim Carrey, and you know, yeah. Jim Carrey went through this similar type of mm-hmm. depression and things like that. Robin and, Williams. Too. And that's, you know, Jim Carrey completely removed himself from yep. Hollywood and all of the fame, the glitz and all that because for this very reason that it was poisoning his mind in a way. So he had to get out of it. And, you know, it's sometimes you just can't get out and or you don't know how to get out. And so unfortunately, we we lost a lost a good uh, a good person uh, this yeah. week. So, but I just want to say, I mean, his work will live on. Like those shows yeah. are classic, absolutely, and people will be watching them now more than even before. And the uh, impact that he left on this planet, Anthony Bourdain, is like an example of what you should try to be in your life. That he left more than he took. You know, yeah, he absolutely. gave more to other people. He lived simply. He was humble. Absolutely. Really. I know me too. And it's just like, he's just such a chill laid back guy. And he, you know, brought so much joy and brought so many different people together of all cultures and languages. And, and, you know, like we were, we were at the airport on Friday and we were watching a little bit of the CNN special they did on him and all of his, uh, you know, coworkers at CNN were saying like, he was almost a better journalist and reporter than any of them. Like this is Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, all these, all these reporters on there because he just, he he knew how to connect 
with anybody and everybody. It seems like he knew how to bring mm -hmm. people together and tell how to a connect story. people, tell a story, Best storyteller like of our time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're crying. I'm sad. I know. No, it makes me sad too that he's he's no longer with but us. I hope he, you know, is. Um... I hope his soul finds yeah. peace, and I hope that he, you know, like. Kendall and I both believe that, you know, life doesn't end, you know, mm -mm. when it ends here in this, in this world. And maybe this he just, his and, soul just felt, and maybe we can't understand it ourselves, but his soul just felt like he was ready to move on. It's yeah, hard to I understand. Mean, it hurts people, but absolutely. You just can't understand what that could possibly be like, you know? Exactly. Ugh. But Ugh. I, but I Ooh. just wanted to just briefly just bring up that suicide is a very serious thing and it is actually a growing problem in the United States, which is, which Kendall and I were talking about this a little bit too. Yeah. Like the United States has a has a much larger suicide problem than pr I'm pretty sure any other country in the world. Actually, that's not true. There's probably other countries, but it has it's a growing very in the United big, States at a rapid rate. Yes, it's increased by 25 percent across insane. the country over the last 20 years, <sighs> and 25 states experienced a rise in suicides by more than 30 percent. So it's a big issue and, and you know a lot of people oftentimes forget that like the veteran suicide rate is is Crazy it's it's literally six veterans commit suicide every day. I believe is the stat and That's just dude because they go through crazy. such hell They go through such hell and then they come back and you there's know, there's no enough. support. There's not yeah. enough help for them People just can't even begin to understand what they went through um, There's one other thing I wanted to talk about real fast I met um, a subscriber through a few years ago named Gabby, and she has created this incredible organization called the Buddy Project. And I um, wanted to make sure I mentioned it in this episode, actually, and it's a very, very um, important time to mention it. It's all about preventing suicide. So basically what it does is connect people, connect people who are in similar age groups and similar interests and they're pairing buddies. So as of June 2018, over 219 hundred thousand people have signed up to get paired and they're they're like building all these friendships so that way people have someone because there's so many people out there that don't have right someone don't even have somebody to talk to so so i want you guys to check that out i'm going to leave a link to it below it's an it's an incredible thing and share it with someone in your life who you think may need it if you don't feel like you need it yourself yeah absolutely it's buddy-project.org yes and you know obviously you know if you're if you're feeling alone there's all there is help out there available for you there's actually confidential help that's available for free which is through the national suicide prevention lifeline mm -hmm. which is 1-800-273-8255 which is talk 24 hours a day and they also have an online chat service you can actually chat with somebody for free so just throwing that out there and, and you know what it's really important that we're talking about this today especially because princess diana was a very tortured soul yes. she struggled a lot with all types of mental condition you know eating disorders depression so we're gonna be talking about that a lot today and i just think it's important to yeah i mean i know. think it's it's very applicable and appropriate to to bring this up and it's a very um, important issue that that needs to be talked about and people need to be aware that this is happening and mm -hmm. it just it just goes to show you like for me I always try to think about well what's the root of the problem why is this why is this happening why are more and more people committing suicide and when I, the only thing I can come back to is that our culture our culture especially in America is very um, it's very brutal and it, it, it goes all the way from just you know your average person all the way up to the celebrity status it, you know mm -hmm. they each have their own separate 
you know, issues. I think social media has contributed to it. A ton. And social media has, yeah. They're missing out, judging other people's lives, thinking your right, life sucks because right, someone else's right. life looks so good. Absolutely. Fake per- people who've, you know, you know, even Anthony Bourdain was just on Twitter a couple days ago tweeting like really positive things. Yeah. You know, yeah. you never know. So, well, that's the thing is like it, 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 you know, it doesn't even seem like it's always like this planned out thing. Like it may have no. just been that in that moment he felt triggered, you know, to the Something. at that point where he didn't want to be here anymore. So, very sad. <laughs> Sorry to bum, bum everybody out, but we thought it was just important to bring it up. And I think everyone out there agrees that it's very important to be, especially in this time. Yes, and absolutely. this podcast specifically. Um, so let's let's get into talking about Diana Francis Spencer. Princess Diana, or it's the um, Princess of Wales, right? She's the Princess mm-hmm. of Wales is what she's called. I suck at fucking understanding all... I'm sorry, guys, for the language, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do not understand the royal breakdown, like, how it all works, like... What all their titles yeah, are and, and stuff. Yeah, and, like, the Duchess yeah. and the Duke. I don't know how what those people have anything to do with Princes anything. Princes and kings and queens. And, like, and how it works. Like, as far as I know, the queen is right now... Queen Elizabeth, right? And then next will be Charles. He'll be the king. And then mm-hmm. after that, it'll go to William. Uh, and Harry just gets skipped completely, right? Yeah. Right? It'll go, yeah, it'll go William and then William's son. Right. And then William's son. Yeah. So Harry gets skipped. Yeah. Harry will never be, unless his brother yeah. dies or something. Yeah. So Princess Diana, she was uh, born on July 1st, 1961. Interesting. She was born in July. Uh, she um, lived all the way up until the fateful night, which we'll talk about, which was August thirty first, nineteen ninety seven. She's a Gemini. Gemini. Or oh, no, 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 no. She's not, a Cancer. Yeah, she's a Cancer. I was gonna say nice. July first, right? Yeah, dude, that makes sense. She was a very emotional mm-hmm. girl. So Diana was uh, born into the Spencer family, a family of British nobility with royal ancestry. And she was the youngest daughter of John Spencer Viscount uh, Althorp, Althorp and Francis, <laughs> Francis That's Roach. good enough. Good enough. We're just going to butcher this whole thing. Like, sorry to our friends that actually know this stuff. But I think most of our <laughs> listeners aren't going to be like, I don't know either, man. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> so- <laughs> best guess, bro. Yeah. All right. So, Diana, she grew up in Park House, which is situated on the Sandringham estate and was educated in england and switzerland she was celebrated um for her charity work which is very important to note she was very uh very giving and very such a humanitarian um, yeah such a that's the word such a humanitarian and uh she was uh she showed major support uh for the uh international campaign to ban landmines um because after the war there was a big problem with landmines still Mm -hmm. being there um, Diana was also involved with dozens of other charities, including one of London's great Ormond Street Hospital for Children, of which she was actually the president um, in 1989. She also raised awareness and advocated ways to help people affected with HIV, AIDS, cancer, and mental illness, which is really cool. So she was not about herself. It didn't seem like seems like from the very beginning she just was all about. Um, humanity and, totally. and making the world a better place. Yeah, and I think she saw getting into the royal family as a way to make a really big impact. Yeah, it's not, like I can yeah. get on this platform and yes. I can do all this. Not because she wanted to be like a fancy little princess yeah, yeah. and like have tea. Like yeah. she wanted to like she get some shit done. She didn't want to be Cinderella. Done. She mm-hmm. wanted to be a badass. She was so. a tough, tough girl. 
and totally like non-conforming. Yes, non-conformative at all, which as we know in this world is not always a, a safe route to go. Mm -mm. But Diana came to a prominence in February 1981 with her engagement to Prince Charles or Prince of Wales. And it was announced to the world at the time. He had bad vibes from that dude. Dude, he, uh, I don't, he, like looks he just looks weird. He just looks like he's up to something. Sorry if you're like a Prince Charles yeah. super fan out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, sorry. I just yeah, like, I didn't him. get like bad vibes from him and his mom. He just looks like a sketchball to me. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> sketchball. <laughs> he looks like a sketchball, man. Look at the guy. Yeah, and he, he was not very nice to her. No. So uh, Prince Charles <laughs> and Diana's wedding took place at St. Paul's Cathedral on July 29th, 1981. And it was actually televised to an audience of over 750 million people, which I'm pretty sure the any royal weddings are just like huge. Yeah, I'm gonna look up how many huge watch this one. television. Um, just have a huge television audience because they literally uh, play it for the entire world. Damn, 29 million for the new one. Really? Yeah, dude. Yeah, but I guess it's like much more modern time. Like more people have TVs and shit. Plus, we were like streaming it. I was streaming it from Twitter. Yeah, damn. Yeah, that's true. A lot of it was live stream on the internet. So that was probably that was in 1981 when everybody No one had internet or you know Social Wait, media so, so seven seven hundred fifty million people back then though. Why'd it go down? Yeah, that I'm seems like a lot. Maybe it's 75 million actually Anyways <laughs> Doesn't really matter but during their marriage, Diana was the Princess of Wales, Duchess of Cornwall. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I just found a better source, and it says estimated 29.2 million people watched the new one. So that makes a lot more sense. Right? That's what you just said. You just said 20. Oh, God, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know. That is weird. Hmm. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, okay. A lot of people watch this shit. Let's go. So... So she had a bunch of different names and it I don't fully understand why they get all these different names But she was the Princess of Wales, which is what we all know her as but she was like I said the Duchess of Cornwall Duchess of uh, Rosse and Countess of Chester Which I believe yeah, I believe those are just titles given for uh, various um, I don't know is that like residences or something? That's I don't know. I don't totally understand that but um the marriage between her and Prince Charles actually produced two sons, which we know as Princes William and Harry, who are respectively second and third in line of succession to the British throne. So I just fact checked it again. It is seven seven fifty million watched Diana and twenty nine million watched the new one. So it's probably because maybe it was a bigger the, deal. They're back probably then. not fact. Yeah, it was way bigger deal back then. But it. Like I said, they're, they're not factoring in a streaming. They weren't, like they're not. Yeah, if you looked at the all the views on YouTube or wherever it was live streamed, oh, it was and television audience, right? Ah, it was probably one broadcast, one yeah, yeah, station. Yeah. Now it's like people watching on YouTube, right? Yeah. Right, right. So it reached way more than twenty nine million. I see. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to make sure that was all kosher there. All right, continue. So Princess Diana's two sons are are William and Harry, which we know Prince William is married to Kate Middleton. And Prince Harry is the one that just got married to Meghan Markle. So those are her two kids mm -hmm. uh, from her marriage with Prince Charles, which didn't end up working out. Mm -mm. And in 1992, it was announced that they were both having affairs. And they ended up getting a divorce in 1996, which getting a divorce in the royal family is a big, big thing. It's, it was, oh, yeah. it's, yeah, it's. 
Dude, she would have been beheaded if it were not modern days. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't just like let you like go off and live your own life. No, I mean, we're, we're dealing with like the Catholic Church and everything yeah. else. Like they, you have to get an annulment and all these other things. And she had an affair after. I think it's important to note. There was years and years of um of Charles having an affair with Camilla. Yes. Who's, what is she? I can't remember. She was, she had Duchess she, or Yeah, she something. was, uh, I think she was just uh, like a, assistant or or something she just like worked with the oh. the royal family or something She's, well they were having an affair for years and tried to just keep it under wraps and diana felt like she was living a completely different life from him she was like living in the kensington palace alone mm -hmm. um so it finally came out like for years she wanted people to know that he was cheating on her but she couldn't like say anything right she was so controlled right so eventually she was like well fuck this if you're gonna just have an affair and i have to just sit here i'm gonna have an affair too i'm gonna right i'm gonna move else. on as well so right. So then, you know, all of that led up to them getting divorced in 1996, and she ended up receiving $23 million in the settlement. That's like nothing, though, for like a royal family. Thing. No, no, it's, yeah, it's really not but that much. But she probably didn't care. She was like, whatever. She like wasn't about money. Yeah. Which this, the big thing with this whole um, break of their marriage was that the queen was not happy at all. No, I mean, the queen. Her. The queen does not like anything that reflects negatively on her family and obviously is extremely traditional to um, the way that the royal family has operated for mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of years. Like she she's like, we're going to keep things the same. You know, we're going to keep going oh, by she's the all book, about tradition. Up, up, up. Dude, I'm telling you at the wedding, the recent one, Meghan Markle. I think she was just sitting there fucking fuming. I could swear you'd almost there, well, see steam coming out of her ears. That saw, there was like one picture where <laughs> she's, just she's like at glaring her. at her just yeah. like. Yeah, she, well, because she's like Diana would have loved Megan because she is so like she's such a humanitarian. She truly does care about making a difference in the world. And she's half black, which is really moving them into the 21st century. Um yeah, let's get some color up in that house, man. Yeah, for real. Like, it's a little too wet up there. <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> um, so I think Diana would have been, like, so stoked about Megan, and I'm sure the queen does not like it. So with Diana, like, the queen did not like that she wanted to do every little thing differently. Like, it seemed like Diana just did little things that she knew the queen would, like, that bother her. For instance, normally they get their engagement ring picked by... The royals or it's passed down or something but diana picked out her own from a catalog she wrote her own vows which is like that doesn't happen right they always do the very like generic uh vows and you know based yeah. upon the religious texts and everything william so. and kate uh went off book too though he probably wanted to do it because his mom did it or megan or you mean no william and kate oh william and kate did their own mm -hmm. i was gonna say i think harry and megan did the traditional ones. i think they did too if i remember right yeah, they weren't like custom vows or anything. Mm -mm. So, so uh, Diana wrote her own vows, um, and also she was a hands-on mum or mother, as we call them in the U.S. Um, she was a twenty-year-old mom that took a completely modern and intimate view of child rearing from the very beginning. That's why those boys are such good. Which is why they they seem like such good lads, uh, <laughs> <laughs> laddies. Uh, she chose her son's first names herself. And breastfed them as infants and apparently uh, Charles wanted Arthur for the firstborn and Albert for the second so more yeah more it would have been King Arthur noble names I guess King Arthur and King Albert but Diana was like fuck that <laughs> we ain't following the Queen Elizabeth the seconds rules 
And uh, yeah, so she ended up picking the names of Harry and William, which I mean are still pretty like yeah generic. It's not like they had some crazy. They still names. definitely sound like fancy royal names. Yeah, they do. But when Charles, uh, when Charles was um, two, his mother flew to Malta, or not Charles. I'm sorry. Um, when uh, William was two, his mother flew to Malta to spend Christmas with his father leaving him with his grandparents. Diana and Charles uh, bucked the royal trend of separation by taking nine-month-old William as well as his nanny with them on a six-week six tour to Australia and New Zealand. And William and Harry were very, very fortunate um, to have Diana as a mother because their ideas were so different to the previous generation. Which is good going forward. So she was... So essentially, um, it seems like in the past, the, the way that the royal families would raise kids is they wouldn't really raise them. It was like they would leave it with the nanny or someone yeah. else that would like literally like take care of the kids everyday needs and and essentially raise them instead of because they were far too busy yeah. doing other royal duties royal but like diana was trumpets. like nope i'm raising them i'm teaching them everything uh she sent them to school mm-hmm. and uh at uh diana's insistence william became the first heir to the throne to attend public school which is interesting at jane uh, menor's nursery school near kensington palace and the decision to have William, who was three at the time, develop his finger painting skills among commoners showed the influence of Diana, Princess of Wales, mm-hmm. who had actually worked in a nursery school herself when she was um, younger. So the big the big thing with this is just clearly she she didn't want her kids to like grow up thinking they were Spoiled like brats. better than anybody because they're royalty. Yeah, or they like, didn't, she didn't want them to end up like their daddy. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Mr. Charles, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she exposed uh, William she and Harry. She took them to hospitals, homeless shelters. She wanted them to see the rawness of life, um, and I think that's really, really what made them so different because they they are. They different. seem pretty down to earth. And... They call them the Fab Four now. The uh, Meghan Markle, Kate, William, Harry are gonna like change, shape the next generation because they don't really obviously have any powers now, but they like shape the social norm. So they're really setting like setting them into the times. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But they actually, um, Diana actually took them to McDonald's. Yeah, how yeah, uh, she Which did. is pretty cool. And she doesn't want her kids to Disney. miss out on a happy meal. Every kid deserves one at Seriously. one point. Come on. <laughs> and I can't imagine the food at the palace is as good as Very McDonald's. Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another a big thing uh, that we mentioned earlier that Diana was known for was speaking out about uh, mental illnesses and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a clip I'd like to play too. Yeah, I was going to say you have a clip of her talking about um, her uh, dealing with those mental illnesses and eating disorders. Yeah, here, let's talk about this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we got the rave music going. There's something else going on, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's her talking about. What effect did the depression have on your marriage? Well, it gave everybody a wonderful new label. Princess Diana. Diana's unstable and Diana's um, mentally imbalanced. And unfortunately, that seems to have stuck on and off over the years. Are you saying that that label stuck within your marriage? I think people used it and it stuck, yes. According to press reports, it was suggested that it was around this time things became so difficult that you actually tried to injure yourself. Mm. 
Is that true? Mm. When no one listens to you or you feel no one's listening to you, all sorts of things start to happen. For instance, you have so much pain inside yourself that you try and hurt yourself on the outside because you want help, but it's the wrong help you're asking for. People see it as crying wolf or attention-seeking, and they think because you're in the media all the time, you've got enough attention, inverted commas. But I was actually crying out because I wanted to get better in order to go forward and continue my duty and my role as wife, mother, Princess of Wales. So, I, uh, yes, I did inflict upon myself. I didn't like myself. I was ashamed that I couldn't cope with the pressures. What did you actually do? Well, I just hurt my arms and my legs. And I work in environments now where I see women doing similar things. And I'm able to understand completely where they're coming from. What was your husband's reaction to this when you began to injure yourself in this way? Mm. But I didn't actually always do it in front of him. Um, but obviously anyone who loves someone would be very concerned about it. Did he understand what was behind the physical act of hurting yourself, do you think? No, but then not many people would have taken the time to see that. That's a really good uh, clip there, I think, yeah. that really shows her um, openness about her mental illness and, and clearly she struggled with suicidal thoughts and tendencies um, and, but I mean by the end she was like an advocate yeah you know? no I know she's she was speaking out in hopes of trying to help others yeah and I mean I with. think her main message was that was like basically they use this as a way to just say I'm crazy right exactly but they've kind of spinned kind of her into their narrative spinned her issues uh, and use them against her yeah and and that's honestly I I think um, a lot of people think that uh, Prince William and Prince Harry are so adamant about speaking about mental illness and so involved with that sort of thing because uh, they knew her, uh, their mother struggles with it and um, in addition to struggling with suicidal thoughts she also struggled with uh, bulimia uh, eating disorder yeah um, which is I understand that which is tough on you know on top of. I just feeling like that. God, I can't even imagine dealing with uh, eating disorder too. Like Josh knows firsthand from me, so it's like a constant struggle. Even though I'm like past it, you know, it's still still have times where it's just hard. And she mentioned like having to deal with the the pressures yeah. of being. I mean, I can't even imagine <laughs> the pressures that are put on you when yeah, you enter dude. that family. Her popularity had not been seen since the Beatles. Yeah. That's how popular she was. Yeah, she was extremely popular. People really like, liked her, especially women, you know, because yeah. they saw her talking, speaking like such real words, you know, and the queen hated it because the queen's all about like, keep it to yourself. Like, don't talk to anyone. Like, barely does interviews. And when and it's like, keep your composure, be like, you don't talk about personal stuff. Um, but before we get into talking about all of that night, I have one more quick part of this interview that I want to play that will just give you some insight into how Diana felt she was being, you know, received in the royal family and where her future lies with them. I like this clip, too, because it's got Lord of the Rings music in the background. Yeah, I don't know who made this. Um, yeah. Do you think you'll ever be queen? No, I don't. No. Why do you think that? I'd like to be a queen of people's hearts in people's hearts, but I don't see myself being queen of this country. 
I don't think many people would want me to be queen, actually. When I say many people, I mean the establishment that I'm married into, because they've decided that I'm a non-starter. Why do you think they've decided that? Because I do things differently. Because I don't go by a rule book. Because I lead from the heart, not the head. And albeit that's got me into trouble in my work, I understand that. But someone's got to go out there and love people and show it. And do you think that because of the way you behave, that's precluded you effectively from becoming queen? Yes, I, well, not precluded me, I wouldn't say that. Um, I just don't think I have as many supporters in that environment than I did, than I did, yeah. You mean within the royal household? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They see me as a, a threat of some kind. And I'm here to do good. Not a dis I'm not a destructive person. Why do they see you as a threat? I think every strong woman in history has had to walk down a similar path. And I think it's the strength that causes the confusion and the fear. Why is she strong? Where does she get it from? Where is she taking it? Where is she going to use it? Why do the public still support her? Truth. Mm -hmm. That's truth right there. And I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. It's so, I mean, before we get into the conspiracy around this, it's it's so evident to me, that, at least, that she not only had this feeling of not being wanted or, or being included by the royal family um, or being accepted by them because of who she was, yeah. um, but just the fact that she honestly, like, looks scared, kind of sounds like yeah. she's fearful that if she does the wrong thing, does something that they don't like, that something might happen to her. Well, she was constantly like saying things to people like her butler. Um, we'll talk about him. I think his name is Paul Burl, uh, if I remember right. He was like super, super close, like her best friend. Um, and she was constantly like asking him to like ch check the car, look under the car, check the brakes. Make like, sure stuff wasn't bugged. Mm -hmm. Make sure there wasn't like trackers on her cars and stuff. Yeah. Because she felt like they're keeping tabs on her. Mm -hmm. Because um, once they got, once she got divorced from Prince Charles, um, she, even though she was no longer married to him, she's still technically a part of. Well, the royalty still. Yeah, well, her sons are like, her right, son's her gonna sons, be king. Right, exactly. So, um, it was still important for her to um, be protected because she's still obviously the mother to one day the king, possibly. So, um, after they got divorced, though, in the summer of 1997, uh, Diana uh, started seeing this person named uh, Dodi al Fayed. Yeah, um, Dodi al Fayed. Who were. Is it Fayed? I think it's Fayed. No, it's they in uh, it's pronounced Fayed. I'm pretty sure. Okay, well we're probably going up at least ten words in this. So yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> but uh, in 1997, they, in that summer, they started uh, just touring the Mediterranean, spending a lot of time together on Al Fayed's family yacht. Publicly, you know. Yeah, saying, publicly hanging out. New relationship. Stuff, right. And. Since her divorce, obviously, there was a lot of speculation about whether or not she was in, uh, you know, an alleged romantic, uh, intimate relationship with Dodie. And on Saturday, August 30th, Diana and Dodie flew back to Paris and were planning to stay the night at one of the hotels Dodie's father owned. They were super rich. Yeah, they, they, um, the Alphides were very, very rich uh, business people. And Diana was in Paris when she called her butler, Paul Burrell, uh, Burl, saying that she wanted to come home back to London. 
They had all her plans in line for her to return to Paris that following day. However, um, Diana then called her butler back and told him that he needed to move her plans for the day after because Dodie had some business to take care of and she was going to stay with him. And many people believe that their reasoning for making that trip to Paris was because Dodie was planning uh, to purchase an engagement ring uh, that he had made in Paris. And by this time, um, she was obviously divorced from Prince Charles at this point, um, but she was still entitled to the same amount of security that the rest of the royal family gets. But Diane, this is a kind of a important point. She declined uh, this security detail from the royal family. Which makes which sense. Pretty much for obvious reasons. At that point, she's like, I don't really want to have much to do with you guys. Yeah, and I don't want I you don't guys want you following me all day and reporting me. what I do to the queen all day. Are you or serious? To Prince, or back to Charles. So, <laughs> Honestly, um, the queen probably scared her more. She declined, declined that offer and instead uh, was using Alphide's security team. So she knew that if she was the... Um, so many believe that Diana and uh, Dodie were going to soon become engaged and eventually announce their engagement to the public. However, the queen did not want that to happen. And there's a lot of speculation on whether or not she actually knew um, knew this or not. But it seems very, very likely that the queen and Prince Charles and everybody else in the royal family knew that the likelihood of Princess Diana getting together and marrying uh, Dodi Alphaid was uh, uh, pretty much going to be a sure know. thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and one of the biggest things about it is that uh, this, the, the, her new man, Dodi, um, he was from a Muslim family, although he wasn't like a, you know, regularly attending a mosque, uh, practicing Muslim. Um, he did come from an Islamic uh, background. So they wouldn't want the queen, I mean, the Which mother is like of the huge, king, yeah. future king to be married to a Muslim. Right. Or the... Or even the possibility of her having other offspring uh, that would have yeah. been related to Prince and William yeah. or to Harry and William. That's probably the bigger issue. Yeah. That they would have ha been half brothers and sisters yeah. to the, you know, possible one day king, uh, William. So, yeah. That's a big issue. And I mean, if you know anything about the, you know, the royal family is that their connection to the Catholic faith and, and the Catholic religion is heavy, very heavy. Very. Um, they're, they're basically one entity in, in a lot of ways. So, um, definitely not, not fans of, of the, uh, religion of Islam. So here's, this is where we get to the fateful night of the car crash that ended up killing both of them actually. Mm -hmm. So on the night of August 30th, 1997 at 9.30 PM, Jody Al-Fayed had plans to take Diana to a rom romantic dinner in Paris, but their plans were ruined because the paparazzi got to them, which the goddamn paparazzi. Dude, I, I would I would hate to have them following me around everywhere. Ugh. I so, think the YouTube TMZ people are bad. <laughs> seriously. Imagine having channels. like... Yeah, exactly. I, know. <laughs> so I call them YouTube you TMZ. Them. YouTube TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So the couple decided to go back to the Ritz Hotel to try and hide from the paparazzi. The couple then decided that they would leave the Ritz Hotel and go to a nearby apartment, which was owned by Dodie's father. 
So they had a decoy vehicle that left the main entrance of the hotel to try and sort of, you know, trick the rest of the paparazzi into thinking that Diana and Jody were in that car, which was actually the decoy car, and follow them so that they could leave out the back entrance and go to the apartment. So it's around 1220 a.m., now August 31st. Diana and Doty secretly went out the back way to try and hide from as many um, paparazzi as possible. Diana and Doty were sitting in the back seats, and her bodyguard, Trevor Rees Jones, was in the front passenger seat, and her driver, Henry Paul, was in the driver's seat. I think his name is, it's Henri. It's like pronounced Henri Paul. It's not Henry. I know it's not Henry. It's not Henry? No, it's like, I fucked it up when I did my it's video, Henri? too. It's like Henri, Henri, or, yeah. Henri Paul? <laughs> I'll Google it. Hang on. And how did, it's just Henry without a Y with an I. I know it's not Henry. Yeah. It, why would they just put a Y in there? <laughs> Henry. Henri. Is it a French name? Henri Paul Mott. Oh, Henri Paul. Henri Paul. Henri Paul Mott. Henri Paul. Okay. All right, <laughs> we're, we're just going to call him Henri. I'm just going to okay? call him Henry. No, I'm Henry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him, I'll just say Henri Paul. Okay. So <laughs> they leave in the car <laughs> with Henri Paul and Trevor Reese Jones and Diane and Doty. And it wasn't long before the paparazzi figured out that they tried to, you know, bait them to follow this other car. And they found Diane and, and Doty and quickly started following them in their car. Henri Paul started driving faster and faster to try and get away from the encroaching paparazzi. And he was getting ready to enter the, uh, my my French is not great, the the Pont Pont Alma Alma Bridge Tunnel, when he slightly swerved to avoid a slower car, and all of a sudden, Henri brushed up against the side of the car, and that's when their car began to spin, and Henri lost complete control of the car, and at two t- or at twelve twenty three a.m. At the speed of 100 kilometers, or roughly 60 miles per hour, the car slammed into a cement pillar in the tunnel. Because the tunnel's got all these pillars that's holding up the street above of, of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And they collided with the pillars. And if if all the damage is from the pillar, the pillar basically wrecked this car completely. Yeah. It was I pretty mean, crunched. It got crunched, yeah. It, it looked like it got mashed up real good. So the first police arrived at the scene at 12.30 a.m. And it's important to know she was alive at this point. Right. She was alive at this point. And from what we know, I believe they were not wearing seatbelts, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is a the thing. They weren't wearing seatbelts in the back, which a lot of people back then or, you know, back yeah. in the day, especially in cars that are being driven, you know, you just didn't wear a seatbelt. There was like, no like click it or ticket thing. Like, yeah. It wasn't like the whole movement. Yeah. So a lot of times people weren't wearing seatbelts, especially in the back seat. Especially when they had drivers. For some yeah. reason, people get this false sense of like safety Security when you have a driver. Right. Like in taxis, a lot of people don't put on seatbelts even today. Like, yeah, and it's like, like, why do you trust them so much? You don't even know who this person is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So or like Uber drivers or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So this is in, this is important to to note is that the uh the car crashes into the pillar at 12:23 a.m. and then the first uh responders or police arrive at the scene at 12:30 a.m. and people were trying to uh resurrect Doty um until an, a doctor that had stopped actually pronounced him dead on the scene at 
1.32 a.m. And the driver, Henri Paul, was also declared dead on the scene. Trevor, um, her body, Diana's bodyguard, was conscious at the scene, but he was suffering from severe extreme injuries to his face. Diana, however, was removed from the car at 1 a.m., 30 minutes after the first cop arrived. 30 minutes? 30 minutes before they actually get her out of the car. And at this point in time, Princess Diana goes into cardiac arrest, and they immediately start doing CPR. And they were actually able to get her heart beating again. And they left with Princess Diana at 1.25 a.m. And at 1.55 a.m., so uh, 30 minutes later, Diana's ambulance stops for a few minutes so they can inject more adrenaline into her body. Wait, I have a question. Aren't aren't these people trained to like work on you as they're taking you to the hospital? Not like we're gonna do some stuff here and then and then put you in the car at one twenty five. Are you serious? Yeah. So I was. So there is like some. I I think it just depends on what country you're in because they have different philosophies as far as what EMTs or paramedics are supposed to do. Some are to do as much as you can on the scene for the patient. Some is just literally get them in the car and go. And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly in France, if I mean, if any of you are from France out there that know the answer to this, I'm pretty sure that their their thing is get them in the car and and just instead of worrying about treating them, just get them to the hospital. So then why didn't they do that? So what? Yeah. Well, that's where the sketchiness begins. Yeah. And I don't understand why they would stop the ambulance to inject adrenaline. They can inject things as they're they do that all the time. They treat people in the back of ambulances all the time. And this isn't just some rando, dude. This is Princess Diana. Are you kidding me? Like, how come the most like extreme measures weren't taken for her? That's so weird to me. I'm surprised they didn't get a helicopter over there. I mean, here's the thing, though. The the closest hospital was five minutes away. Five minutes. It was only five minutes away. It was very, very close to the scene of the accident, the closest hospital. But she didn't actually arrive at the hospital until 2.06 a.m. What the fuck were they doing? Seriously, what the hell were they doing? From the time they left the scene at 1.25 a.m. to 2.06 a.m. So that is... That is a long time to be cruising around in an ambulance when the hospital is literally five minutes away. So that that is very, very suspicious. But yeah. Princess Diana had a torn uh, pulmonary vein, um, which when this happens, uh, your chance of survival is, is not great. And so for nearly two hours, uh, doctors gave Princess Diana open heart massage, which is a type of yeah. Uh, resuscitation CPR to massage the heart to try to get the heart to start pumping again um, on its own. Basically CPR directly on your heart. And about two hours later, uh, she was officially pronounced dead at 4 a.m. That's so, so odd to me. So apparently, according to the first responders, they were not wearing seatbelts in the car. However, it's odd to a lot of people because they always remembered Diana's always being seen wearing a seatbelt. Not only that, so, but not just remembered seeing her, but there's so many pictures of her, if not most of the pictures that were taken of her in cars when she was alive, she had a seatbelt on. Yeah. So she always had her seatbelt on. So why would she have taken it off? And I think it made the story more believable too if they didn't have seatbelts on. It was like, oh, well. Well, yeah, because your chances of surviving, a, especially a major car accident like that, are slim to none if you have no seatbelt on. So, I mean, do you guys think it's possible? I mean, 
Josh and I obviously don't know, but could it be possible that they realized they got there somehow people were in on it, realized she wasn't as bad as they thought it would be, and they made her injuries worse? Or it's, like delaying it made it worse? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, because how would they, have, if she was conscious, like she was doing okay, because I mean, when you roll up to a scene like that like you don't know what kinds of internal injuries she, she was may talking have. to a photographer one of the paparazzi like got off his whatever bike or whatever and went over to the car and was like talking to her in the car yeah um and she was like i don't know if she was speaking back but she was like responding to him she was coherent at least she wasn't like she was understanding knocked out the situation. or something no. right mm -mm. so it's really weird that all of a sudden like she has all the i mean it's You'd think you'd just like if it was five minutes away. God damn, you could have like put her on a stretcher and run with her faster than the ambulance Seriously. got her there. Damn. Seriously, because I mean that's a. I mean especially if she did have these really major internal injuries. I mean, time is of the essence. Like yeah, that, you got to get in there asap and stop that internal bleeding, or you know, like she had that pulmonary vein that had uh, ripped. So I mean that's that's major. You know. A major yeah. issue that has to be resolved immediately otherwise you die so it, it it's just it's there's too there's tons of questions surrounding why the hell the ambulance ride took that long to get there why did it take so fucking long to get princess diana like to the no hospital good answer for and that. nobody's got any good answers for it um it's just like it's so sad thinking about it because i bet you anything dude if she was awake and conscious she was thinking it she knew in her head already she was probably like that's it I was worried about this. Like I told people over and over again, she said in a letter, right in a letter to her Butler. I don't think they've ever been able to confirm that it's from her because he could have written it. And the Royal family hates her Butler now, dude. Like, yeah, he's just like excommunicated. From yeah, him. he is. Um, but he, he has a letter where he claims that she said like my, like Prince Charles is going to plan my death in a car accident. Like she yeah, knew this was going to happen. And she was obsessed with, like looking around underneath the car and checking for all that like we said she knew dude and i bet you laying there she she knew already what this was oh absolutely i mean like and and we'll talk about this uh here in a bit but it's like how how do you just like like you don't hear about people running into pillars every day oh. in a tunnel like this is a busy tunnel that gets used every day and just randomly this one car happens to like yeah. veer into it well we'll talk about that more well, in a second and the fact that he died too i think is really important like obviously they would want him dead as well because if she died he would have he would have pursued things and like figured it out um, yeah getting him out of the picture was helpful for them as well might as well do it when they're both together you know mm -hmm. absolutely the the actual paparazzi that you were talking about his name is uh ramold rat rat uh was the one that actually got to the crash site and inside the car before the authorities did and he actually said that he, p he was able to put his hand around Diana's yeah. neck to feel her pulse and tell her that help was on the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he wouldn't be talking to somebody that wasn't unconscious and, and of what was going on. So clearly she was coherent enough to be talking to this paparazzi. At least like paparazzi. him and, yeah. Um, and then we talked about the doctor who pronounced uh, the other guys that were dead who had actually just been driving on the other side of the highway by chance at the same time the accident uh, happened and was the one that pulled over and neither the doctor or the paparazzi guy that were there initially at the scene of the accident saw signs of internal injuries that she apparently had 
Yeah, and you think that if there was a doctor there and he did, which he did, he saw her body, he saw her, if it was that bad, he would have been like, oh, hey, people, let's fucking go. She has, like, limited time here. You know, if he thought it was that bad, he would have been frantically trying to get things moving, being the doctor there, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's really odd that he even made the statement that he didn't notice that. Like, that's very telling. And, like, what's sketchy is that, like, all the reports that were coming out initially from the accident was was so conflicting like some were yeah. saying that her injuries were were not so bad she was like okay like it just you know some injuries but then it was like and then the other side was like she has major devastating life-threatening injuries so it's interesting how you know the information got got split up like that um diana's butler paul burl actually describes being handed a see-through plastic bag of Princess Diana's clothes that she was wearing during the crash and he says that they were so covered in blood that he couldn't even tell they were clothes at all anymore And not only that but on their way to the hospital the ambulance actually passed two other hospitals that could have treated her as well In order to go to this other hospital, so it's just like what the hell and their excuse and I'm pretty sure their excuse is like they, they didn't have the right thing for what she needed or something very very weird very sketchy um, but let's let's now talk about the actual car that was, she, she was in for a second because this is also part of uh, part of this that's important. At the time of the accident, she was in a Mercedes S280, um, which had previously been owned by someone else. And in January 1995, two years before the accident, the car was actually stolen by an ex-prisoner, and he ended up crashing it and causing it to roll over a few times. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. And a mechanic was actually able to repair the car and sell it to a company called Etoil Limousines, which is the company that provides the cars for the Ritz Hotel, which uh, Diana and Dodie had been coming from and uh, provide the cars and the chauffeurs. So this is how they ended up getting stuck in this car. So the car, this whole car thing could totally be mm-hmm. complete coincidence that there there is these, this weird history with this Mercedes. Um, but people who had experience with this car and experts who have analyzed the crash have said that the car, um, after after its uh, history, should not have been in use and was actually extremely dangerous. It's like yeah. it's like if you go and buy a car that's been totaled or been had major damage to it and it has a salvage title now. So why the fuck would they put her in that car? Right. Who was checking that? Like what? <coughs> You know, was her security that bad that they didn't like make sure there was like a safe, you know, they didn't vet the company that she would be cruising around in. Mm-hmm. But the sketchiest thing about this car was the was the fact that the onboard computer chip in the car was missing. That's convenient. Which the computer chip in is in pretty much every car. And the computer chip is what's actually controls a number of things, including acceleration braking, steering, and navigation. And after the crash, uh, the com- Mercedes, the car company, actually came out and offered to do a full in-depth inspection of the vehicle. And they actually offered this a number of times, and it was never accepted. Investigators never had Mercedes um, come out and actually do an in- inspection on the vehicle to, to really figure why out exactly. Why wouldn't they? Seriously, why wouldn't you do why that? It makes no sense. Well, we know why. Right. So that's odd that the uh, that Mercedes wasn't allowed to do the inspection, um, so they couldn't see 
if the car was in fact malfunctioning and that was the cause, you know, that was in turn the root cause of the accident. Um, Because honestly, that would have given investigators a lot of answers in this whole case and in the actual, you know, how did this accident go down? And what's also strange is that the tunnel was never put through any sort of tests and the scene of the accident wasn't preserved for investigators to inspect it. Hmm. Instead, it was actually hosed down right after the accident happened. And this is unheard of, which come on, like this. That's another thing that is just screams to me. Something else is up. They're trying to cover something up because whenever you have a major accident or event or tragedy like this happen, especially like imagine if this was the president, they would Uh have they would rope that shit off. They would have had that whole fucking bridge closed off for days while yeah. they they did a full investigation, figure out exactly what happened, recreate no, the scene. Sketchy cases, it's always like a quick, clean quick up. cover, like hosed it down and like yeah. covered tire marks. All of the evidence essentially is gone. Is gone from this tunnel, so and they ridiculous. pulled the car out of there very quickly too. They just pulled it straight out. Do you want to hear the Queen's statement? Is this the Queen's this statement was the, on her the addressing death. the nation after? Let's hear what she has to say. Yeah, it sounds very, very fake and unemotional to me. This is um, from AP. Since last Sunday's dreadful news, Thanks. we have seen throughout Britain and around the world an overwhelming expression of sadness at Diana's death. We have all been trying in our different ways to cope. It is not easy to express the sense of loss, since the initial shock is often succeeded by a mixture of other feelings, disbelief, incomprehension, anger, and concern for those who remain. We have all felt those emotions in these last few days. So what I say to you now, as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from my heart, First, I want to pay tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. In good times and bad, she never lost her capacity to smile and laugh, nor to inspire others with her warmth and kindness. She's reading off a teleprompter. I admired and respected her for her energy and commitment to others, and especially for her devotion to her two boys. This week at Balmoral, We have all been trying to help William and Harry come to terms with the devastating loss that they and the rest of us have suffered. I feel so bad for those two. That must have been so hard. They love their mom. Millions of others who never met her but felt they knew her will remember her. I, for one, believe there are lessons to be drawn from her life and from the extraordinary and moving reaction to her death. Hmm. Very definitely a teleprompter. Going through the motions. You can see her eyes like jetting back and forth. Yeah, yeah, just very robotic in a way. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it could just be how she is. Dude, they had all these problems. Like there was a. um, I mean, all I can't even go into it. It'll just be like a whole other thing. But I mean, it's hard for me to even think that 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 the queen even shed a tear for her. Yeah, like did she shed a single tear for? Not in public, definitely not a public tier. Yeah, God. So the the weird sketchiness around her death continues. So on on the day that uh, Diana passed away, it was an extremely hot day, and her body was actually being stored 
in an empty room near the emergency room where she uh, had been treated before she passed away. And the mortuary, which is on the other side of the hospital grounds, um, was, or the mortuary was actually on the other side of the hospital grounds. So she wasn't brought to the mortuary after she passed. And they, what they actually did was they actually just brought in AC units and dry ice were put into a room to keep it cool. However, this clearly wasn't working very well because it was just too hot, which makes, I mean, you got to put bodies in, you know, the bodies yeah. in the mortuary are in a, like a refrigerator essentially. Mm-hmm. So first things first, they did not put her in, in a uh, place that she should have ever been in the first place. Should have been this like rigged room, uh, rigged mortuary set up for her. Diana's two sisters and Prince Charles were scheduled to view the body later that afternoon before bringing it back to the UK. However, this made for a very little time for the staff to prepare the body, and so they went ahead and started the embalming process. And it is a law in France that if there is a specific paperwork that has, or there is a, um, I'm sorry, there is a law in France that there has to be specific paperwork filled out before they can start embalming. So they can't just, they've got to get signatures and all this other information before they actually can start the process. But, of course, in this case, the paperwork was not completed until after the embalming process had already been completed, which is suspicious. Why would they do that? Especially with such a high-profile person like Princess Diana. How'd they fuck it up? Seriously, uh, that just, that is a red flag right there. Red flag. So, obviously, this is causing people to become very suspicious. Why would they screw up? Why would they essentially break the law, break France's law? in order to get the embalming process done so quickly. And part of the embalming process is dipping the body in formaldehyde, which helps to disinfect and preserve the body longer. However, once the body is dipped in formaldehyde, it can no longer be put through any more tests or forensic tests. So the fact that they decided to start embalming so quickly meant that there was no opportunity to do any sort of uh, medical tests that could help, you know, determine exactly what happened to her, um, possibly find other evidence, things like that, off of her body. Just completely disinfects and kills everything. And typically when a family member from the royal family passes away, they are embalmed, but it is usually done so by the royal caretakers in London. So the fact that her body was embalmed in France is very odd. And when Diana's body did get back to London, the doctors did take a look at it but unfortunately, there was nothing else they could do with it because it had already been yeah. embalmed. So they were like, this is this is wrong. And um, so therefore, they wouldn't be able to get any more answers from her body as to what happened to her. Why wouldn't they follow protocol, especially with, with uh, a royal? Very weird. That is so weird. So another one of the, the things that... Um, we think may have been a factor in, you know, possibly setting up her death was the fact that she was pregnant. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of um, people that believe that she was pregnant with Dodie's child um, at the time of her death. So after just after 10 hours after she died, um, the decision was taken to embalm her um, amid fears that she was deteriorating, according to a coroner. Um, citing French undertakers and the procedure which many people believe was a cover-up took two hours and involved draining Diana's body of all fluids 
um, <laughs> which so meaning close. subsequent tests for pregnancy would be unreliable, which makes sense. They wouldn't want to yeah. be able to find out if she's pregnant later on. Mm-hmm. So, um, but so Vaid, so Dodi, um, Dodi's father actually, um, believes that Diana was pregnant mm-hmm. and that the couple was preparing to announce their engagement on Monday, September 1st, 1997. <laughs> Literally the day after. Yes. Yes. And he claims that British intelligence, um, at the, um, beckoning of the Royal family killed the couple to head off that event and prevent a Muslim from becoming the stepfather of the future King. Which is what we said, which would makes which makes yeah. complete sense. So, and uh, Dodi's father's name Mohammed, and he believes that the British Secret Service actually murdered Diana and her boyfriend Dodi because of this pregnancy. They mm-hmm. believe was the motive for it. And he also claims that the body was embalmed to corrupt DNA tests, so the father of any baby she might have been carrying could not be identified. However. When a full postmortem was performed, no evidence of pregnancy was found, according to official reports. Hmm. Um, and in addition, Rosa um, Mockton, the princess's closest friend, told the inquiry that when they were on holiday 10 days earlier, Diana's menstrual cycle had started. So, hmm. <laughs> yeah, she could have been pregnant. It's hard to say if she's pregnant or not. Yeah. And when they did, they did find some droplets of blood on the backseat of the Mercedes. And, and apparently when they tested the hormone levels, they did not find that they had the hormone levels of a pregnant woman. So it seems like Dodie's dad thinks that was the reason. But there's, as far as we know, there's no evidence to suggest that she was actually pregnant at the time of her death. Now, another interesting thing about the crash and something that we thought about immediately was there was no... CCTV or closed circuit uh, cameras of this crash, especially in a uh, busy. Most of the time, tunnels have cameras for this very reason. Especially to see in Europe, what's going on in yeah? Especially in Europe, CCTV is very way popular more common there. than here. Yes, way more common than here for sure. So there were actually more than fourteen different cameras in that underpass uh, that they went through. Yet none have recorded footage of the fatal collision. That what? is very baffling to me. Dude. <laughs> and very suspicious. One was turned to face a wall or was simply switched off. Wow. And when the uh, when the French uh, investigated it further, they were told that none of the cameras were working. That seems like it's always their excuse. That's oh, such bullshit. We got cameras, but they don't work. Come on. Out of 14, none of them were working? Yeah. Apparently, though, one motorist received a speeding ticket after being caught on a nearby camera 15 minutes before the accident. Boom. So, yet again, it seems like there is definitely fuckery at play here with the cameras. Were there cameras? I don't know. Or maybe the footage was just deleted, hidden away. Because maybe it would have revealed exactly how the crash had had happened. So. So this getting back to the crash and and how it happened, we have to talk about the driver because clearly he was responsible for causing the Mercedes to crash in the end because he was driving the fucking car. Mm-hmm. So ever since the crash, it's been hotly debated whether uh, Princess Diana's driver, Henri Paul, was intoxicated or not. 
and blood samples showed that he had extremely high levels of carbon monoxide and the percentage of toxins in his body were so abnormally high that Henri should have been suffering severe symptoms like headache and nausea. But hours before his death, he was actually caught on camera parking his car and walking around acting like he was a-okay, completely fine. Yeah, we've seen fine. a video of him. He looked like completely with He looked completely like, fine. Definitely didn't look drunk. No, definitely didn't look fucked up or suffering from anything. So this has caused speculation that the blood samples may have been switched and that his blood sample showed a reading of 30% carbon monoxide. And if you had ingested 30% of carbon monoxide, you'd be unconscious, not yeah. being able to stand. So he would definitely you be able to function. Been... You wouldn't have yeah. been able to like drive at all. No. Probably would have crashed way before getting to the to the underpass or the tunnel. Yeah. So he's probably switched with someone else. Yeah, it seems like that. I think he was switched with someone who had recently committed suicide by gassing themselves in their car. Like that's what explained the high. The high, yeah, because where would I mean, yeah, unless there was a leak in his car that he was driving or something. That's very weird. Yeah, and and uh, first responders even confirmed that there was no carbon monoxide present at the crash site. And the coroner could not even explain why there was such an extremely high level of, of the carbon monoxide. So there's just complete mystery around the driver's body. And it really does seem like possibly the samples were switched or possibly bodies were switched even. So over the years leading up to her death, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier. She became paranoid, um, which we talked about how she even thought, you know, she was being bugged. She had her butler uh, checking under Check cars car. from cameras or microphones at home. She, she was take very apart sketched lights, out. take apart phones, make sure there weren't any hidden micro microphones or tracking devices. I mean, being a royal, you must be aware of like what they do. So she like probably knew how much shit they did. Right, right. And and there were actual instances where we know for a fact her conversations were being recorded. Yeah. Uh, the most well known would be considered called Squidgy Gate. Uh, which was a phone call conversation she had pre-1990 between um, a close friend, uh, James Gilby, and Princess Diana. So there's there's just evidence that they were they had recorded her conversations even before her death. So other other members of the royal family and uh, cabinet ministers uh, ministers were also regularly bugged by security services in the 1980s and 1990s um, to help protect them against assassination um, is is their um, thought behind that and in 1993 10 months after she announced getting separated from prince charles she also uh, wrote that letter uh, that we mentioned oh, right. predicting the manner in which she would die and the exact uh, verbiage of that letter um, allegedly is that this particular phase of my life is the most dangerous. My husband is planning an accident in my car, brake failure, and a serious head injury in order to make the path clear for him to marry Tiggy. Camilla is nothing but a decoy, so we are all being used by the man in every sense of the word. So and Tiggy, Tiggy was, was his assistant. assistant. Interesting. And Camilla is Charles' second and current wife. Wow, so he could have even been so having he, yeah. multiple affairs. No, he was. Damn. Apparently in 1995, after being worried she was going to die, she went to one of the most prestigious solicitors, Victor Mishkun. Um, and a solicitor is just a legal practitioner, um, like a lawyer, pretty much. 
And when meeting with Victor, she expressed her concern she had about being killed. She specifically mentioned to him that her husband Charles wanted her gone and was planning a motor accident. And after the night that she died, Victor actually went to see the commissioner of the police, Paul Comden, um, and top policeman in, uh, basically a top policeman in Britain at the time. And Victor gave him notes about what Diana told him about fearing for her life. And um, Comden chose not to pass on the notes to the French government. Mm. And in fact, he, he had turned those notes, if he had turned those notes into the French government, we, they would have almost certainly looked into the crash as not just an accident, but as a possible homicide. Yeah, dude. When but, someone says they're worried that that's going to happen to them, and then it does. And uh, almost verbatim to how she describes it, like, mm-hmm. you know, any any law enforcement person would, would think that's sketchy. So. I wonder if he ever threatened her with those that exact thing. Yeah, seriously. Like, don't you dare try to do this kind of, like, you have no idea what my family can do. We can make it look fake. Yeah, so so the question is, is, like, why would, and we see this time and time again with law enforcement and police, and oftentimes they don't want to pass along information yeah. up the chain. Yeah. They like to control it. So let's get into some of the, the conspiracy theories around um, her death and this accident. And... Let's let's first talk about Dodie's father again, real quick. Uh, we briefly talked about it, but uh, Dodie's father was uh, Muhammad, and he is very, very convinced um, that yeah. the the accident was a complete setup uh, to have his son and and Princess Diana killed by MI6. He also alleged that he knew of a plot to kill his son and uh, kill his son and Diana, and that in 1997. Uh, crash that had killed them both was the successful implementation of that plot. Specifically, Al-Fayed alleged that the establishment led by Prince Philip ordered and orchestrated the murder of Diana and his son using security forces. So, we don't know whether, I mean, that's the whole thing with is like, do you believe Dodie's father? Do you believe that he really knew this and that, you know, the princess was really pregnant and gonna get engaged to his son and that was the reason for i think all that makes sense and he would be the person to know you would think right you would think that he would know out of anybody Dodie's father would know what was going on themselves so the closest thing like his father you know or paul but she didn't have a chance to talk with paul and he's yeah so i don't know and he and he directly blames prince philip um and uh, or he or I'm sorry, he claims that Prince Philip knew about Diana's plans to marry and have Dodie's kid because her phones are being tapped by the MI6, the CIA, and the NSA. Apparently, yeah. Very interesting. Um, one of the things that we'll I'll, I'll continue to mention as we go through these um, theories is something called Operation Paget, which was a probe that was done by the Metropolitan Police um, that basically went through all these conspiracy theories that we're talking about and essentially debunked every single one of them with the official information that they gathered. And so in this report, which I'll talk about in here a little bit later, none of these claims were true, according to the report that Muhammad Al-Fayed made. Okay. (laughs) So he just made everything Basically, yeah, he just made all this up. Sure, dude. Whatever. And and Dodie's father is now 89 and living in Surrey, and he still insists um, that his claims are true. 
according to a close friend that knows him. Yeah. Another another theory is that Diana's medical care was deliberately sabotaged, which seems almost yeah seems very likely to me. Um, so people believe that the doctors allowed Diana to die on purpose by not treating her in the proper way, which they stopped her from recovering. And most of those revolves around her treatment at the scene of the crash. And if she had instead been taken to the nearest hospital and treated there, she may have survived, which makes sense. Why didn't she go to the nearest hospital? Why wasn't she treated at the scene? Why wasn't this treated like the emergency life-threatening situation that it was? That's very, very bizarre. Very weird. Another theory has to do with um, the driver, Henri Paul. And that he was actually in on this crash. Like this was meant to happen. Um, and uh, Mr. Uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed has also claimed that the ritzy chauffeur Henri Paul was a double agent for the French and possibly oh. British security forces. And they pointed to a large amount of cash found in his possession at the time and a considerable personal wealth held in 15 separate bank accounts. Damn. Henri Paul, dude. Henri like Paul. A driver? Yeah, yeah. A chauffeur with fifteen bank accounts. That sounds a little sketch, actually. Yeah, and it was. Uh, it emerged at the inquest. Uh, Henri Paul is captured on CCTV waving to photographers shortly before the couple left the Ritz Hotel. Huh. And this uh, Operation Padre report concluded his wealth had not come from security services, of course. And police said he would have had only had contact with French secret service agents when high-ranking guests stayed at the hotel. There is further controversy, um, as Lord Stevens admitted, that he had told Henri Paul's parents their son was not drunk and had drunk and had drunk two alcoholic drinks from the hotel bar on the night, uh, which was confirmed by a drinks bill. Paul's dad, Jean, told the Mirror that he believes Diana Jody were killed in a plot to stop her marrying a Muslim. Yeah. Which is what we believe. Um, and his, so Henri Paul's parents say that my son was simply collateral damage of a plot to kill Diana and they killed him as well. Or I'm sorry, that wasn't, that was, uh, Muhammad. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's one theory that he may have been in on it. Double agent for the French and the British possibly some sketchiness there, but not a ton of evidence to really back that up. Mm -hmm. Uh, another theory that's Perhaps one of the most popular ones is the bright light theory. Um, A former MI6 agent, Richard Tomlinson, suggested um, that, or suggested in 2008, that the uh, Princess Diana's death, um, that security services were monitoring uh, the princess, and that the driver, Henri Paul, may have been an informant. So he may have been involved. And he also claimed that her death resembled plans that he saw in 1992 for the assassination of Yugoslav president Slobodan uh, Milsovic using a bright light to cause a traffic accident. Uh, The Telegraph newspaper reported one witness, American Brian Anderson, who was a passenger in a taxi at the time, claimed that he saw a significant flash of light followed by a very loud bang before the crash. Mm -hmm. He also um, said that he had seen four motorbikes that were in a cluster, um, that were in a in a cluster, which swarmed the Mercedes. Another witness, uh, Francis uh, Levestre, told the inquest into Diana's death that he was driving in front of the Mercedes 
when the flash lit up the underpass like the light from a police speed camera. He claimed the flash came from a motorbike which overtook the princess's car seconds before the impact. He also alleged that one of the two bikers on the motorcycle walked over to the wreckage and gave a mission accomplished hand gesture. Oh. However, the jury was also told police doubted Mr. Levestre's evidence after he had given conflicting versions of events and separate witness statements. Um, and then that former MI6 agent was actually dismissed in 1995 and ended up in jail. So basically, these people that are claiming they saw this light are being discredited, essentially. And basically just saying it was bullshit, that there was no, that, you know, their witness testimony is is completely non it, it just doesn't work it's it's completely false mm. but it, it makes a lot of sense because yeah a bright light in right into a driver's eyes in a tunnel would definitely cause you you know especially yeah. if he had been in especially if he had been swarmed by these bikes you know yeah in a small area like that yeah i'm pretty sure i've seen something like that in a movie or we saw it in scandal or something yeah, scandal. Where they, it was it was um the, it was an episode where yeah it was they about a princess this. remember oh yeah, it was yeah they, exactly they like this. Yeah. tried to make it like this but not yeah and it was like the queen who wanted her dead in scandal too right or the king or someone. Yeah, it was something. Something like that. I don't remember. But it, it has been confirmed that this was a type of assassination method yes. to fake a car accident like this with a light and force them into something. Another theory is that the paparazzi caused the car crash intentionally. And this theory has three specific forms. The first alleges that the group of paparazzi chased and pushed Diana's Mercedes so that it could make the crash happen. The second theory argues that the members of the paparazzi encouraged an environment where a crash could happen. And the third suggests that the paparazzi accidentally created a situation that the uh, conspirators exploited to kill the people in the car. Hmm. Which maybe it was just like a perfect storm and you they know like, there was this assassination yeah. plot and so they're like perfect. This is we can blame the paparazzi and we can make this car accident happened yeah and to this day um william and harry like hate the paparazzi because they think that sh they killed her right mom, well that's the mom. official the i think the official story is like it was an accident blame was, the paparazzi. they blame the paparazzi for chasing them and they essentially kind of forced this car accident to happen unfortunately um another um Another interesting thing uh, has to do with a white Fiat Uno, which is another vehicle that was seen at the time of the crash. An analysis of the Mercedes wreckage showed that it had come in contact with a white Fiat Uno based on traces of paint on the car's bodywork. The exact car has never been traced after French police eliminated more than 4,000 similar vehicles. Mr. Mohammed Al-Fayed claimed that French photographer James Adonison, who owned a similar Fiat Uno, was behind the wheel and mm. also a Secret Services agent. Mm. Um, the investigation uh, produced that Adonison had produced evidence to show that he was at his home in uh, mm -hmm. Lingeries, which is far away from the French capital at the time of the crash. And But what's weird is that this guy that may have been behind the wheel of this uh Fiat Uno was found dead around 400 miles from his home wow. in a burned out BMW um, just kind of out in the middle of nowhere in France in May 2000. I think his body was even completely burned up and the authorities concluded that was a suicide. Hmm. 
But the pageant report that the Metro Police did disclosed that when the car was found, his body was in the driver's seat, but his head had been detached and lay between the front seats. Ew, what the fuck? Yeah, that's creepy. Ew. How'd that happen? So basically, the family's like, this wasn't suicide. Something else happened to him. He got, like, knocked off by somebody. Yeah. There was also a hole in his left temple. Um, And two witnesses, uh, Georges and uh, Sabine Dezone, identified former security guard Levon Tan as the agitated man driving the Fiat Uno. So another person may have been behind the wheel of that Fiat Uno. Uh, And this guy, who's now 42 and a bodybuilder in Paris, refuses to talk about the tragedy. And there's an actually image of this guy, uh, Levon Tan, um, showing him inside of a Fiat Uno that's been resprayed a different color. And apparently this cabbie has reported this cabbie has reportedly turned down all requests for comment, insisting that um, through his solicitor he had nothing to do with the crash. So we still have no idea if there was a Fiat Uno involved officially, um, but especially we have no idea who was actually driving it. Here's an interesting thing, though. The only person... Um, to survive the crash out of the four of them was her bodyguard. Right. So what happened to him? He well, didn't he have like really bad memory of it. Trevor Reese Jones. Yeah. Uh, was the only survivor. And he was the one he was the security guard that was employed by Mohammed Al Fayed's. Yeah. But he suffered severe brain and chest injuries and yeah. every bone in his face was broken. He spent 10 days in a coma. So he didn't remember. Anything. So he didn't remember shit. Yeah. Um, he was a former soldier. Uh, he returned to England and quit his job with uh, Mr. Uh, Alfayed the following year. He was interviewed four times by French authorities, but said he could not recall the crash. He told the coroner in 2008 he had he had vague memories of a motorbike alongside the vehicle and a woman's voice calling out Doty, but he was not sure if they were real memories. Responding to claims by... Uh, Mr. Alfied was part of a cover-up. Mr. Reese Jones said, I am not part of a conspiracy to suppress the truth at all. All I have ever done is give the truth as I see it. Hmm. So basically he's like, I don't know anything about a conspiracy. I don't necessarily believe it. I just can't really attest to what happened exactly. But the fact that he does vaguely remember a motorbike is interesting. So what was the, so what was concluded from this uh, Paget investigation that was done, and this investigation was an 18-month-long investigation by the French authorities, which ended in 1999 after interviewing. Um, or this is a separate investigation before this Operation Paget, but this investigation lasted 18 months. They interviewed 200 witnesses, and they concluded Diana was killed because Henri Paul was driving at high speed under the influence of alcohol, and ruled out any security forces or services involvement. However, former Metro Police Commissioner Lord Stevens launched a criminal investigation, which is called Operation Paget in 2004, mm. at the request of Royal Coroner Michael uh, Burgess, which is interesting. So, th- Because this is the report that essentially debunks all the conspiracy yeah, theories. Yeah, it's like the Warren Commission. Or yeah. The, because yeah. because the, the whole thing with this is that Doty's dad, Muhammad, is is the one really spreading the conspiracy theory that this was a 
uh, there was a plot to assassinate them. Yeah. So they wanted to discredit him and basically silence him once like, and for all. We looked already. It's and so a lot of people will just like close the book right there. The official said it, so that must be must be true. Yeah. Yeah. And they literally went after every single conspiracy theory that's out there. It's, it was an 832 page report, which included 1,500 witness statements that was eventually published on December 14, 2006. And the BBC reported that Lord Stevens, the one that did this uh, probe, concluded it had been a tragic accident and there was no conspiracy to murder any of the occupants of that car. Lord Stevens dismissed the claims from Mohammed Al-Fayed that Princess Diana was about to get engaged and that the ex-commissioner said scientific tests showed Diana was not pregnant. So here's, I wanted to share um, just a couple things real quick of what they, what they, what they found basically in this big long report. They basically said there was no conspiracy to murder Princess Diana and Dodie, of course. Of course not. The car crash was a tragic accident. The Mercedes was traveling at excessive speed. Any theories concerning flashing lights can be discounted as the cause of the crash. Convenient. There was no contact between the Mercedes carrying the princess and a white Fiat Uno shortly before the crash. It is unlikely the Fiat will ever be traced. None of the occupants of the Mercedes were, were wearing seatbelts at the time of the crash. Princess Diana and Dodi Al-Fayed and Henri Paul might have survived had they been wearing seatbelts. Princess Diana was not pregnant. Princess Diana was not engaged and did not plan to get engaged. Henri Paul, the driver of the Mercedes, had alcohol levels twice the British drink and drive limit at the time of the crash. Henri Paul was not an informant for MI6. There is no evidence of any link between the Duke of Edinburgh and the Secret Intelligence Service, MI6. Sure, dude. There is no evidence to support claims the security services were involved in any way in Princess Diana's death. The CIA told the Stevens inquiry it had no information relevant to the investigation. And the claim by the former MI6 agent Richard Tomlinson that a flash was used to blind Henri Paul was wrong and influenced by anger towards the Secret Intelligence Service from which he was dismissed from. So jurors basically came to the conclusion that Diana and uh, Fayed were unlawfully killed as a result of the gross negligence of the Mercedes driver, Henri Paul, and the paparazzi. Their verdict said contributing factors including the impairment of judgment of the driver of the Mercedes, Henri Paul, through alcohol, and that none of those who died were wearing a seatbelt. So basically a drunk accident where no one was wearing seatbelts was the um, conclusion. Yeah, blame and it on the, all the... Yeah. Blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, Blame it on that. And they spent, a, they spent a lot of money in order to basically debunk all of these conspiracy theories. It was like 12.5 million uh, pounds, I think, is how much they spent in order to do this. And in a statement, Diana's sons, William and Harry, thanked the jurors. And they said, we agree with their verdicts and are both hugely grateful to each and every one of them for the forbearance they have shown in accepting such significant disruption to their lives over the past six months. So this was a long, uh, long investigation into this. So essentially that wraps up. I mean, there is so much information. There's probably more conspiracy theories about this, but essentially the official story is, is that this was just a drunk driving accident that they happened to, that happened to result in death of everybody but the bodyguard in the car and you know it's just a freak accident and it's an unfortunate tragedy but 
official story is that there was no conspiracy. Dude, I don't no, believe that for a second. No plot I'm sorry, to kill but them. Diana pretty much said it herself. Right. So she, what do you yeah. say to that? There's no yeah. addressing that yeah, in the report. Come on. Yeah. This bullshit. And I mean, they're always going to, you know, the con- the control and keeping it tight yeah. is, you know. And I mean, if we had more time, too, we could go over, like, just, like, years of corruption of these people, um, which I'm going to be getting into a little bit. I mean, nothing too intense, but you guys can expect a royal family conspiracy talk Tuesday coming, not this week, but the week after. Well, that's the thing, and that's the thing with, with this is that you have to, you know, after looking at hearing all the, all the facts and hearing all of the claims and the theories – you know, you have to look at history at the end of the day and you have to, like you said, look at the history of the family look at the sketchy business they've been involved with. You, once you start realizing that governments and, you know, people in the royal family do yeah. cover up things and want yeah, to keep things silent, that they quiet, do it, and, then it's like easier to, ex- ex- you know, accept. Well, it's it's easier to believe yeah. the conspiracy theories because yeah, it's like you don't think, come on, if this happened, you know, 100 years before or whatever, back in the. The crazy times. They would have just killed her and it wouldn't have been like, and there would be no investigation. I'm sure a lot of people were assassinated, killed for, you know, they just wanted to get rid of people. That's just how they did it, dude. So they're like trying to adjust to like the the new world, but still have their old bullshit going on. Well, that's the thing is you can literally go back into the royal, the royal family history going all the way back hundreds of years and see time and time again where they would literally just, you know, get rid of the problem. They would yeah. just completely get rid of it mm-hmm. by killing them or murdering them or, you know, exiling them essentially from yeah. the family. So very, very interesting. Very and interesting unfortunately that this happened to her, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for, you know, William and Harry that they didn't have their mother for, you know, mm-hmm. much, you know, a large part of their lives and being she able to see to their, there. see their yeah. wives and how different they are and how much, more alike to Diana, it seems they are yeah. than with their dad Charles. It doesn't seem like they're even that. I don't know I don't really know. anything about William, but Harry seems like a pretty rad dude from yeah. like what I know about him. Um, well, look, he, I mean, he ended up with Meghan Markle, so obviously, yeah. like she—he's a very cool guy. Um, so I think she would be really proud of him. I think she would be very William. proud too, and honestly, I think she'd be proud of people still asking questions about this. Yes. And still I think it's to good this to day. talk about this. Some people think it's disrespectful to talk about this. It's like, dude, no. It's if this happened to you, to you would want people to, to ask questions too, dude. Yeah, if I was murdered, I'd want people to question the official story. Yeah. That's the thing is like we know time and time again that they don't um, you know, they don't always investigate it thoroughly and look at all the possible scenarios. They just, you know, try to wash their hands as quick as they can and move on especially in a cover-up type situation which we know happens for fact it does in other cases in history so definitely something to keep in mind but we want to know what you guys think about this let us know in the comments if you're watching this on youtube what you guys think of the princess diana conspiracy do you think that there was this plot to kill her was she assassinated or was she you know killed tragically in this uh, accidental car crash. We want to know what you guys think. Also, be sure to subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, like this video if you enjoyed it. And thanks to all you guys listening out there. We appreciate all yes, of you. And don't forget, we will now be available on Mondays at 5 p.m. MST. And next week, um, we will actually be taking another break from 
fucked up families and <laughs> talking about more fucked up people, Fred and Rose West, which is going to be a serial killer story that I'm sure a lot of you guys don't know about. So I'm really excited to talk about that one. And then, you know, we'll follow up soon with either the Bushes or the Morgans or one of these other fucking yes, families. Yes, we will get back to the craziness. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 21. Yes. Appreciate you listening and watching today. Stay woke. Hope and you we enjoyed will it. See you next time. We'll see you next time. I don't peace in your vibes. Can't show me this.